Hello and welcome to the Maths Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Barbara Jones, Curator of Maritime History and Heritage for the Lloyds Register Foundation. Hi Barbara, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to work for Lloyds Register? Hello Faith and good afternoon to everybody. Um, I joined Lloyds Register many years ago and I've spent my working life with Lloyds Register and history has always been my passion and particularly maritime history. So I feel that I've been very lucky um, to work with such a great collection and so many great people who I've met and worked with over the years and I've learned a lot from them and about the unique collection that we have at Lloyd's Register. Um, our collection is vast, it's a unique collection and we have at the moment um, in our plans and survey report collection about 4,300 boxes and items which we think totals about 1.25 uh, million documents, that's plans, survey reports, correspondence and all sorts of things. And Project Undaunted, which we're working through with Max Communications, is our project to digitise that collection and make it freely available via our website so that other people can do research and work with this collection as well. The different people that I've met through my working life have given me a lot of background information on the material that we have and this is really really helping with the queries that come up through Project Undaunted um, particularly when trying to identify some obscure items that the team might find and the team's queries are always interesting and help us to learn more about our collection and what it contains. So how do you spend an average day? Because your role must have changed over the years. Yes, it has. And there isn't really um, an average day, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm sure many, many other people say that as well. Every day is different. And that's what makes the job so interesting. Um, I usually start the day with the intent on maybe continuing on a particular project that I was doing the day before and then something pops up and all of a sudden you've got to, you know, you've got to go off in a totally different direction to, to help whoever it is um, that has posed that particular um, question. But more recently, I've been doing some research to support our two PhD students that we're funding at the University of Hull. And the virus has meant that their visits to London uh, to work with our collection has been curtailed. So I try to support them as much as I can by finding other material that we hold digitally and that I can send through to them or answering odd queries that they have as, as best I can with you know, the materials that we've got available or sometimes just off the, the top of my head if it's something that I, I already know about. Um, and the work that I'm doing with them has also been helped with a, a ship research tool that Frank Owen of your team has developed for us, um, which means that I can extract a lot of raw data for them to play with, which is great. And it means that they can still carry on doing a lot of research while they're stuck at home. And I'm hoping that this research tool will, will be able to use that for other projects too, as it's sort of, it's quite a powerful beast really. And it's something that Frank should be, uh, should be proud of that he's, uh, he's done that for us. 
So what type of material are you working with in the collection? What, um, what content is there that people are researching? Um, we have the, the bulk of the collection uh, is survey reports and plans, but there's also correspondence between um, the surveyors and head office. Um, there's certificates, there's telegrams, uh, memos, odd notes. There's all sorts of things there. Um, the plans, we think there's probably in excess of about 96,000 plans and they can vary in size. So they can go from something that's quite small, which is about the size of an A3 sheet of paper, um, through to something such as the profile plan of a large passenger liner, like something like the Queen Mary, for example, which can be more than several feet in length. The survey reports, and that's where the bulk of the collection lies, um, are slightly larger than A3. And for the earliest ones, they can be single-sided. So when I say the earliest ones, they date from the 1830s. Um, and as time goes on, they become more complex and there's more sheets. So going from a single sheet in the 1830s, <clears throat> you can have something that's eight or 12 sides of, of uh, A3 for something from the, uh, say the 1920s, for example, just on the, the ship's hull. And then there'll be another booklet of four sides of um, A3 for the ship's machinery. So quite a, a vast raft of information just on each, each ship. Um, we also have boiler plans and machinery plans. The most interesting ones to find are the profile general arrangement or rigging plans of uh, particular ships because that can give you more of an idea of what the ship looked like so that's really nice to find for people as well when they're interested in a particular ship because there might not be an image available for that ship still so those sorts of plans just give them a little idea of what that ship looked like and particularly if it's something that maybe their granddad served on or their um, great-grandmother sailed on. It just gives them a little idea of what that ship um, might have looked like. What type of people are wanting to access your collection? You've mentioned just their family historians, but is there anywhere more prominent that you get people coming from? Oh, we get all sorts of people um, coming through and all sorts of organisations. So yes, we get the family historians, uh, maritime researchers, authors, students, all of those for whatever reason, you know, whatever research or project uh, they're working on. Uh, model makers, if they want to make a, a, a model of a ship, they will come through and obviously they particularly want to find plans on a ship. We get inquiries from divers or other agencies who might have found a wreck um, and either need confirmation that the wreck is what they think it is or might need help to try and identify that wreck. For example, they might, um, if they're very lucky and haven't found the ship's bell, they might have found the builder's plate, which is placed there by the, the shipbuilder and that gives a certain amount of information that can help us to help them identify um, that particular wreck. 
Um, or there's other projects that come through, which are sort of one-offs, but um, very, very interesting. So over many, many months going through this year, and, and it sort of started last year, really, I've been helping with a project in Chile um, where they've been looking at some of the wrecks that they have in their waters and also on their coastline. And a lot of these are composite clipper ships, which were built about 150 years or so ago. Um, so they've been interested in plans and survey reports, which helps them with the structure of the, of the ship. And also in one particular instance, they've been looking at uh, seven wrecks um, and so our um, survey reports for those particular wrecks help them to identify which wreck was what and sort of confirm their feelings as to uh, as to the identify uh, of, of those particular um, ships. Um, we're building up quite a tranche of, of information uh, through this cataloguing project. Um, so there's there's more information that we're going to be adding to the website, which is going to, to help more and more people. And in particular, our rec report series, when that goes up, because that covers the period 1892 to the 1940s, and that's going to be a real treasure trove um, when it's available, because it has very detailed information on wrecks, and also includes some really nice um, things like newspaper reports, for example, there's newspaper clippings within that um, archive and also some some photographs. Um, we also help government agencies because there's a lot of old wrecks around the world which are becoming unstable and so in some cases unfortunately they're starting to leak oil and so those agencies come to us because they need access to plans if we have them to help them to, to identify where that oil may be coming from on that particular wreck. So of course we try to help them as best we can as well. So lots of practical applications for the archive then. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Um, what are your hopes for the future of this digitization project then? Are you wanting to um, target any particular demographic or, or anything like that? Um, we're, we're just hoping that everyone will will use it. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's freely available to all. Um, so we're hoping that more and more people will discover it and more and more organisations as well. It would be nice if we could work with more um, institutions and organisations who either have research projects or have a collection of their own that they're working with. Um, and in an example of, of that is we've been working with the Royal Commission on Ancient and Historical Monuments of Wales with regard to Welsh shipwrecks. Um, so it would be great to, to work with many more people, um, you know, whatever their project might be, or even individuals, you know, who are, who are doing their own little pet research project or, or just doing their family history, you know, they're all welcome. So the Lloyd Register was founded in 1760. Do you have documents going back to that period or a bit later? Um, our, 
Our documentation going back to 1760 is actually around the Register of Ships or the Register Book, as people tend to call it, which was first published in 1764 um, and has been published almost continuously, not quite continuously. There's a few years when it wasn't in the early years um, since that date. So from 1764 to 1833, that's really our collection. Um, unfortunately, although the surveyors that were the working for uh, Lloyd's Register during that period would have submitted letters to the committee of Lloyd's Register, uh, giving the details of their survey and their opinion of the class, the inspection of the vessel, they haven't survived. Um, so it's not until 1833 that we have uh, the Provisional General Committee minutes for Lloyd's Register. So they start from 1833 and go forward. And as far as the survey reports are concerned, they start from 1834. And that's the collection which um, forms Project Undaunted and our work with that digitisation project. And within our archive, we have many, many other items as well. And, and we think of that as the the corporate archive that's held in in Fenchurch Street. So for the present, isn't part of this particular uh, digitization project, but I'm hoping that maybe further down the line, more of that material will be digitized as well. Um, so just an example, as well as the general committee minutes, we have other uh, committee minutes as well, which people tend to think um, committee minutes can be quite dull and interesting but uh, one particular trance that we have which is the visitation committee proves that that's far far from the case the visitation committee used to be the chairman and a few of the senior board members that would visit a number of the ports um, and shipbuilders each year so they they would particular go to a particular area like the northeast coast or uh, the, the north part of Wales or whatever it might be and they would visit the offices and they would visit our people and they would visit the shipbuilders and clients in that particular area and it was to make sure that the clients and um, the shipbuilders were happy with the work that was being done for them to make sure that the surveyors were doing you know a good job um, and also the accounting and things like that were were being looked after properly, um, that the surveyor were, was obeying the rules um, with regard to the inspection of the ships. So all sorts of bits and pieces, but there's sort of all sorts of little side stories that come out of that, like, you know, maybe the ship builder rather than the surveyor wasn't doing a particular good job. So that would be recorded in those minutes. So they are quite a rich um, source of, of information, which hopefully, you know, more and more people as time goes on will be able to use. Get a bit of gossip from the workshop floor. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what is your most favourite item from the archive of the 1.25 million items? Oh, that changes on a daily basis, Faith. <laughs> There's lots of um, famous ships in the collection. So some people tend to, you know, think about the Queen Mary or, you know, those sorts of things. But I prefer the unusual. Um, so 
the, the Max Communications team are absolutely brilliant at finding really interesting and unusual items and they share those with us. So there's some really odd things that come out of those boxes sometimes. So um, there's things that we didn't expect to find. So I certainly didn't expect to find quite so many photographs as, as we're seeing. So those are brilliant to see. Um, and quite often they're of a ship that's had grounding damage and is in dry dock or it's a wreck or something like that. So a surveyor sent it through to augment his, his report. Um, but there's also some publicity items around ship launches. So brochures, you know, and things like that, the actual shipbuilder had produced. Um, we've also seen odd things that a surveyor might have lost amongst the reports. So uh, a railway timetable from the early 1900s sort of surfaced from one of the boxes. Um, and it wasn't for that surveyor's particular area. So he must have been planning a trip or a holiday or something along those lines. Um, there was also an advert for the patented transverse cycling shoe. Quite an odd thing to, um, for the surveyor to have been looking at. But anyway, this little brochure. Um, and I think it was from the same surveyor that had lost the railway timetable. So something tells me that he was a bit careless with his papers, that, that particular chap. Um, there's also been things that help us learn more about our history, things that we might have known a little bit about, but not very much. Um, and the team earlier this summer, they, I mean, they didn't just make my day or my week, it was my month because they sent through some photographs of a shipyard specification book that had turned up. Um, and it was for ship, a shipbuilding to Lloyd's Register class in Russia in the late 1920s. Now I knew that Lloyd's Register had been involved in this particular project. It was all very, very secret. Um, the first I knew about it was when I was uh, talking to the daughter of one of the surveyors that had been sent there. The surveyors were there for four years um, and worked on something like 28 ships. Um, but there was very, very little in our archive on this project. And when we were working on our history book, which was published in 2010, I couldn't even find a full list of all of those ships that they'd worked on. So when this popped up in my inbox back in June I think it was I was sort of you know leaping up and down because of what they'd found um, but there are other things as well and I love artwork um, and I find real joy in in the art if you like in um, a beautiful letterhead or a drawing sometimes that a surveyor might have done on the side of his report just to to illustrate you know something some point that he's trying to to get across but I have got a personal favourite this week, and it's a profile plan for a, a ship called Camino that was built in 1912. And she was built by Craig Shipbuilding of Long Beach, California, um, and later became the city of Wilmington. And it's actually my own team that have brought this particular one to my attention because they've written an article for the Lloyd's Register um, Horizons magazine. Um, and that's where I saw it when I was reading the article through. Um, and this plan is an absolute joy. And I'm sure that the, the chap that drew it 
must have been a ship portrait painter in his spare time because he's put so much detail into this plan. It's a very simple thing. He's just been doing his work basically as a draftsman in the shipyard. Um, but he's put the sea in, so you've got waves. Um, he's put the smoke coming out of the funnel of the ship. He's drawn the stars and stripes because of course she was under the American flag. And you can even count the stars in the stars and stripes. Um, and he's got the signal flags flying as well, which many ship portrait artists do, which is why I'm sort of wondering if, if that was part of his, his passion. And he signed it. Uh, sorry, he hasn't signed it. He's put his monogram on it. So it's got AH and 1912. So what I'm really hoping is that one day a descendant of AH sees that because they can be justly proud of, of what their great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather produced and it would be a lovely lovely thing if that was your great-great-grandfather to see that I think. Is that available for people to see on your website? Um, at the moment it's available through the Horizons article uh, which is downloadable from the Lloyd's Register uh, website. Um, if people go to the HEC website, the HEC dot lrfoundation.org.uk website and put in Camino, that was the, the name of the ship at one point, I should say, um, under documents and do a search there, then they'll they'll be able to see it that way as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, how, how long is it going to take for you to get all your archive up on online? Do you have a a projected time frame I know it's a bit difficult at the moment but have you got a hope it is a bit difficult at, at the moment um we're just sort of two-thirds of the way through the project so we've still got <clears throat> a good long time yet to go through next year um so far on the website there's about a quarter of a million items and uh something like 46,000 ships, I think. Um, there's far more than that sitting, waiting in the wings. Um, on Themis, goodness, there's probably, it's got to be around a about a million items sitting there at the moment that the Max Communications team are working through. So uh, our team um, and the Max Communications team are plugging away and trying to put up, well, a goodly number each month, month on month, uh, to bring that to the the public. I think um, I think the last upload was something like forty thousand items, and there'll be a similar amount at the end of of this month going up as well. So, so everyone's plugging away. <laughs> so keep checking the website every month, and there'll be more more yeah. things research more yeah. more uh plans to look at and if anyone has a, an ancestor with the ah uh, moniker check out their artistry potentially yes wouldn't it be lovely if someone came you know came to us or came to you and sort of said ah oh, <laughs> i think i know who that is that would be fantastic <laughs> and truly someone who takes pride in their work as well yeah yeah Thank you for a good speech yesterday, Barbara. It's been really interesting hearing about all the things that you have 
in your archive that will soon be available for us all to have a look at. It's been lovely to talk to you, Faith. Yeah, you take Thank care. You. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.